0: And so every so often there's an opportunity that, that comes up and uh, I get an assignment to preach on Sunday morning. When I hear I get to be preaching at Sunday morning at Sunnyside, I get dialed up. And I mean this truly. There's just an ease of being here. Every church has their own kind of culture, DNA. There's just like an easiness to being with family. And it's really good to be with you guys uh, this morning. We're in Psalm 30. If you would turn in your Bible to Psalm 30, uh, that's where we're going to be. Um, a little bit about um, who I am. If I could summarize uh, the kind of life stage I'm in right now, I would just put it in one word. I would say transition. Um, My wife is uh, due to give birth like five weeks from now. Uh, We had, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, we we had the the baby shower. We had the baby shower, right? I wasn't there for that, so I didn't see anything that happened. I heard there was great things that happened there. And um, we just moved into a new home last week. So I'm like, how do you put up blinds? Okay, reading instructions, learning how to do all those kinds of things. And um, anticipating family coming in a few weeks, oh my goodness, that's all happening. In the midst of all that, I turned to Justine yesterday and I said, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of thank you notes that we're going to need to write. Like some of you will probably be receiving some thank you notes uh, from us. There's something um, that that we have learned uh, as being part of Mountain View is that there's something special of not only being receiving thanks, but also to give it. And so one of the things that we do uh, on staff that has really just affected what we do in, in, our, in our home, Justine and I, is that we say thank you for those who have blessed us in, in various ways. And so uh, if you serve here at Mountain View Sunnyside, likely, it's very likely you've received a, a letter or a thank you from, from Pastor Ken, from Pastor Greg, uh, from Tim, and, and the others to say, look, we appreciate what you're doing here. We appreciate you, being, you sacrificing your time and resources to be part of the greater good of what God is doing uh, through his church. It's amazing to think that I've never cons- have thought of a time where I've said thank you. And when I've said thank you afterwards, I go, man, I really wish I hadn't said that. Never, never once. It's always you want to bless the other by saying thank you. But it does something to our soul, right? When we bless others by saying, I appreciate w- what you've done. And I want to answer that question this morning. Why is it that that is the case? That it is good for us to show gratitude? Why is it that, that it's such a blessing for our soul? I think Psalm 30 is really going to unlock the key for us to look at that this morning. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to read through Psalm 30 right now, and then we're going to dice it up, look at it together, and see what God has for our lives. So if you would, look at Psalm 30, verse 1. Here we go. Let me go ahead and read this for us. Psalm 30 verse 1 says this. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord. Notice how he invites everybody to join in with praise with him. He says, sing to the Lord. All you godly ones, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so he continues on. He says, When I was prosperous, prosperous prosperous, we're gonna come back to that word later. I said, Nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. And then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. Verse 8 says, I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. And then David responds in the answer to prayer that God has healed him and has done a great work. And David says this. He ends where he began with praise. He says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning, and you have clothed me with joy that I may sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you for your word. Speak to us now in this moment what you have for each one of us, You are a God who is not silent but has good things to say to us this morning. And let the end result be that we would praise your holy name. Amen. Now, when you open... um when you get into your car and you drive to work or you're coming back from the grocery store, what do you typically do? You turn on the radio, you listen to some music, right? And so when you listen to music, we all have the categories, the kind of music that we, that we know, that we like to listen to. Maybe you like rock music. Maybe you like um, classical. Uh, maybe you like pop. Maybe you like whatever, right? You have your kind of style of music that you're into. I know a guy who, uh, not even a Christian, he says, you know, I can like play this game, like where I turn on the radio and, I, and I'm going through the, and I'm going through the radio stations like Christian music just has like a distinct sound to it it's like alright that's Caleb I already know that's it right there and it, like every single kind of music goal category has a certain type of message that it's typically getting across a sound that it's trying to get, that, it, that it uses certain types of instruments things like that and that's called genre, types of music. When you look at your Bible, at the official songbook of the Bible, the Psalms, the Psalms are absolutely no different. The Psalms have all different kinds of um, uh, Psalms in them. At one point, David can look around and, and, he'll, and he'll say, God, I praise you because you've been so good to me praise, right? And then like the next, the next chapter, he's like, God, things are horrible right now. Can you help me? Lament, right? So he's got different types of, of, of psalms. In other places, a wisdom psalm. God has done a work in a, in a person's life over a season of life. And he says, here, look at what? Look at this. You need to know this. And this psalm right here, it is so clear. It is what we call a thanksgiving psalm. What is a thanksgiving psalm all about? It's basically this. There's a point in the past where the psalmist goes, I was in a horrible situation. I was in utter despair. And God answered my prayer and he showed up. And when he showed up, he delivered me. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me. Thank you, Lord, for getting me out of that. And so the psalmist looks back at the whole thing and he says, Lord, you are good and you're worthy to be praised. It's exactly what we have right here. So what I want to do is just look at this passage with us uh, together. And, And David begins by giving a thanksgiving for the deliverance that God has saved him from the hands of death. And so we're not just talking about like like a spiritual sickness this guy is going through. He looks back and he says, God, I was physically sick and you healed me. But not only did he heal him, he also delivered him from the things that his enemies would say about him. What is one of the things that Christians have heard for the last two millennia when bad things happen to Christians, non-believers look at Christians and say, where is your God? If God is so good, why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? Why is he allowing that to happen to you? Well, in David's specific situation, God doesn't let any of those questions get raised because he heals him. And so David cannot help but break out in praise and say, God, thank you for healing me. And thank you for delivering me from the hands of my enemies. I'm still alive because of you. God is worthy to be praised because he heals and because he gives new life. But David keeps going, he can't help himself. He says, "I want you all to join in with the praise, with praise with me." What happens when you and I uh, deal with a situation where, where we see something good happen? and we go, God, that's a really good thing. We want other people to join in with us. We move from an individual praise to really like getting the whole community to celebrate in this thing with us. And so when I go and see Star Wars, I could care less about what all the critics have to say. I saw Star Wars two weeks ago, and it was awesome. I showed up to church the next Sunday morning. I didn't wear them today, but I'm wearing my Star Wars socks. I'm wearing my ugly sweater that has Darth Vader on it. I don't want everybody to say, yes, Star Wars is a good thing. right? When I'm, when I'm in an, another situation where I watch a good... Um, a game, and the next day, what do you want to do? You want other people to talk about it and you want to share, share in the praise of that wonderful, awesome thing. Those are trivial things, right? But on the other hand, when you experience a life event, what do you want to happen? You just keep that to yourself? No. You can't help but invite other people into that thing. And so I get absolute joy when someone says, how far along is Justine? Oh, you're, you're giving birth. Uh, well, I'm not giving birth. She's giving birth. Um, it, 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 is it going to be a boy or is it going to be a girl? Have you got the room ready? And I'm like, no, uh, we're still working on the room. My mother showed up and she's getting everything together with, with Justine. I peeked in yesterday and I go, I don't even know what that is, but that's awesome. When having those conversations with people, it's so much fun. I enjoy it. I want people to enjoy these life moments that we're getting to share. I want to show you something that I would argue has incredible spiritual significance that we can't just keep to ourselves, but we want to invite all of us to join in with. Let's go ahead and let's show a video that we have up on the screen here. Look at this. That video right there is the great work that God is doing in me and more. That Mountain View Church has gotten to be a part of. And so every, every Sunday when we get up here, one of us gets up and says, look at what God is doing. We have a missions moment. Look what he's doing locally or look at what he's doing all over the world. We say, this is the fruit of that whole thing. So I would argue this is something that's worth <laughs> praise. Would, 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 you, would you say agree that not only do I just keep this to myself, but I want the whole church to share in the great work that God is doing all over the world. Isn't it an amazing thing that we as a church get to be a part of this? It's an amazing thing. For David, what is the most utmost thing that is the object of his affections that is worth praising above all else? It is his God who he says, his anger lasts only for a moment but he gives favor for a lifetime. That is, he is a God who gets angry at sin, dislikes it, but he uses it in an an instructive way. And he is a God who gives favor to his children for a lifetime. Isn't it good news to know that in this moment, who you are in this moment, you are not defined by your past mistakes or who you are right now. You are defined by the fact that you have been... You've been clothed with Christ and who you are right now in this moment will not be who you are tomorrow. His favor lasts for a lifetime and I may have sorrow weeping in the night even though I may put myself through things that, give, that I have guilt and shame for, or I go through things I may not deserve, or you go through things you may not deserve, that lasts in comparison to eternity. Just a moment, because tomorrow joy's coming. Because tomorrow, I know this, that if we just sang this a little while ago, if he left the grave behind him, so can I. And I get to join in that resurrection power of knowing that one day my Lord will come back, and when he comes back, I will be there to see him face to face. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. That is what David says. I want you all to join in praising me with. Isn't that an amazing thing? But here is, I argue, this is, this is, when I saw this in this passage, it just opened the whole thing up for me. Look, look at verse six. Let me read this one more time for us. It's almost like he takes a hard right turn, and he says this When I was prosperous, I said, Nothing can stop me now. It's like he had been praising God, but all of a sudden now now he's talking about a moment where he was prideful. He says, "Nothing can stop me now. You're so Your favor, O oh Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. But then you turn your." face away from me. You turned away from me, and I was, I was absolutely shattered. When we color between the lines, we all of a sudden, and David begins to color between the lines, we, we look at the reason why David needed healing in the first place was because he had been prideful and sinful. That's why he actually needed God to heal him. And so right here, we get really this third point here, the, the road to healing. This is how it works. David went from self-reliance, his pride, to receiving God's punishment, which led inevitably to a softened heart so David would repent. I think we struggle with this kind of concept, that God can take his children and sometimes um, he punishes them, sometimes he disciplines them and maybe i don't know about you when you think about who god is um i think probably one of the most popular ways and i think it's good that we des- the way we describe god we say god is a god of love right god is a god of love so you read something like that and go yeah that doesn't really jive with my understanding of how god is a god of love he's god of love but yet he's bringing punishment on david where he turns his face and then it results in him like getting sick that doesn't make sense to me that doesn't work Aaron. how, how do you solve that Well, I think the key to really unlock this is you look at Proverbs 3.12, and what does Proverbs 3.12 say? It says, God disciplines those whom he loves. For some reason, I just have a, a memory of a conversation of when I was a sophomore, junior in high school that is just lodged in my memory where I was talking to a girl, and I said, I said, that's awesome that your parents just let you do whatever you want. You get to be out late at night. You get to, you get to do, there's like, there's no monitoring over you. And I said... My mom never lets me do that. My mom is here, by the way. Mrs. Garza is in the house, and I, I, I'm specifically using this for a reason. Is the fact that this, that I remember, I said, why isn't that my, my, my parents don't let me do these things, and you get to have a free-for-all? i never forget what she said to me. She said, if my parents really loved me, they wouldn't let me have a free-for-all. The fact that they let me do whatever actually demonstrates their indifference. That actually demonstrates that they don't really care. And looking back, years later, I'm thankful to have a mother that that looks at me and says, do you see that we were trying to get you back on the path over and over and over again? Uh, I'm not yet a parent, but I have been a child. And what I do know is this, is that sometimes the child doesn't always see, most of the time doesn't always see more than five feet ahead, but it's good to know that the parent by demonstrating love, disciplines. And when you're in the middle of discipline, it doesn't feel good, but it's always good to get right back on the track, right back on track, because it demonstrates that the parent loves the child. Perhaps you in this season have encountered challenges that are self-inflicted and you have felt a conviction for sin. Can I tell you what that conviction of sin, the source of that really is? It's actually coming from a God who loves you tremendously and will not let you remain where you are in this moment because he loves you too much. He cares too much. And for David to get a hold of him, what he has to do is let him get sick. I talked to a girl um, who's one of our young adults at, at Mountain View, and um, She just recently became a Christian. You know some of those people who, who, like they become followers of Jesus and they just take off, right? They're just like, they're after it. And and you're like, I've been a Christian 10 years and look what you're doing over here. That's awesome. And that's exactly what she's doing. So she's been a Christian about nine months. And I said to her, I said, Jessa, what would have happened if five years ago I came to you and said, um, Hi, my name is Aaron, and I'd like to tell you about the love of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sin. Um, well, to paraphrase, she said, I would have treated you the way I treat um, anyone else who comes, would have come up to me and talked to me about religious things. No, thank you. I said, so what changed? And she said, what changed was this? I had to deal with self-inflicted wounds of poor mistakes. I had to deal with suffering. I had to be put in such a moment where I had to be vulnerable that my hard heart would soften and I would become desperate. And when I became desperate, I saw, wow, there's a God who loves me. Like, I'm not defined by all that over there. I'm defined by what his son has done for me. Isn't that good news to know? There's a God who disciplines those whom he loves. He brings us back on track because he loves us so much. And then lastly, this is what, I, I just love this. Let me read this one more time. Verse 11 says this, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning. And you have clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O oh Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. This is the big idea. This is the whole point of what David is getting at, is that when God restores him, the only right response is that he would demonstrate adoration, that he would adore who his God is. And it's the same thing for us, is that when God has restored our broken relationship with him, what is the only right response? Thank you, God, for you have healed me spiritually and you restored this relationship between you and I and I had nothing to do with it. I was not the source. I was not the source of my restoration, but it was you who came down and you found me when I was not looking for you. Thank you, God, for healing me. This is the only right way to respond. So that answer to that question, why do you praise God? Answer, because he is worthy of your praise. Because he is the creator of all. And he says, I still choose you because he is worthy. Second answer, because you and I have been designed to praise him. He is worthy and we have been made to praise his holy name. I love the way it describes the Thanksgiving here. He says, I'm going to sing praises. I'm going to sing praises. I'm going to dance. I can't, help but be, I can't be silent. I will do this forever. It's amazing. The person who realizes how much they have been forgiven cannot help but break forth in praise. My observation, I've been in doing this thing called pastoral ministry for 18 months now. Uh, here, here's what, what I found. Let me give you some, some, some big nuggets of wisdom here. Um, here's what I found. Is that those who are most excited to praise God are the same people who realize how much they have been forgiven. Um, and those who uh, really don't get dialed up about praising God don't realize how awful their sin was and how much Jesus went through to save them from their, from their sin. I think if you go back to the cross and you realize how much has been done for you, you cannot help but go, who am I that I am unworthy and I was a rebel against God and yet he found me the enemy and then made me his friend. What kind of God would do that for me? When you realize how much God has done for you, you praise him. You praise him. So you may look at this and go, okay, Aaron, I get it. God um, healed David. Um, he healed David, um, and he heals us. We ought to thank him for those things. That's good. Okay, what difference does that make for me? <laughs> How does that help me, right? Uh, well, I have, there's a few things here that I think would be really helpful. So let's look at the first one here, and it's this. Where's the rubber meet the road? Right here. Godly gratitude. When we have godly gratitude... It lessens our need for others' approval and our own self-reliance. Here's what I mean by that. I have a confession to make. Um, I have found that by preaching, it's always most helpful just to say what's just like right here Um, and and who I really am. I'm a person who naturally struggles with other people's approval of me. Maybe, Maybe you can relate to that. And I think maybe most of us can relate to that. I care about what other people say about me. And as I've struggled through this, I think one of the lessons I've learned is it actually really doesn't matter so much what other people say about me. It doesn't really matter so much about what other people say about you, right? But we can make a wrong turn when we're realizing how valuable it is what other people say about us. We can make a wrong turn, and you actually, you don't have to be a Christian to realize that doesn't really matter so much about what other people have to say about you. But we can make a wrong turn, that wrong turn is this. It doesn't really matter so much what other people say about me. It matters what I have to say about me. What I think about myself is really what matters. I give myself soap. I give myself self-worth. Can I just say this? That's not Christian thinking. That's not what Paul does when he's writing to his letter to the Corinthians. If you read that letter, which we don't have time to get into, he is, he is writing to a jacked-up church that if you and I were leading that church, we would go, all y'all crazy, and we're shutting this thing down, right? But he keeps it going. And he keeps it going. And as he keeps it going, he says, listen, it doesn't really matter about all the bad things that you're saying about me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. He doesn't make that turn. He says, what matters matters is what I say about me. He says, it doesn't matter what you say about me. I don't even judge myself. It is Christ who judges me. For Paul, what matters is not what others say about him. And it's not what he says about himself. It's what Christ has said over him. It's what Christ has said over him. And I love this the way, one of my favorite authors puts it this way. He says, so often we think that the problem is this, that all of our problems are out there, and the solution is within. And if I could add on to that, I would say, yes, we have problems out there. But most often, the problem is within, and the solution is from above. And what God says who is from above, he says that there's no condemn, like, I love this, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives with me and the life I live I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me when you realize all of these great things that God says over you and you're praising him for these things you can't help but go what other people say about me and what I think about me which is up and down and all around is not that big of a deal because what the creator of the universe the Lord of heaven's army says about me that's what matters and living in that spirit of thankfulness will be a blessing for our life Second, you notice that right here, prosperity. David receives that from God. And the moment he receives that from God here, he cares more about the gift for his security than what the gift giver has to say over him and to protect him. He gets to find his security in the gift and not in the gift giver. You notice that Israel never did well with God's blessing. Like God blesses them. And what do they do? They act like a whole bunch of fools. And we look back at them and they go, well, <laughs> I would never do that. And that's absolutely not true because you and I probably would, right? Over and over again, you see the pattern in Scripture is that God gives good things. He gives David prestige. He gives David honor. He gives David all sorts of things. And then we get so enamored with these shiny things. When God prospers us, we ought to be very, very cautious. I moved into a new home a week and a half ago. And I was so excited. I opened up my drawer and I went, it's wider than two inches? Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with all this space. Looked at the microwave and went, oh my gosh, I don't have to, I no longer have to cook pizza for 90 seconds. I can cook it for 20 seconds. I don't have to use Justine's College microwave anymore. This is awesome, right? And I put my hand on the living room wall and I said, mine, yes. And I went, his, it's not mine it's his, the lie is that we get our security in the things that we have and the truth is that there is only one God can give us security so that we don't have to worry about tomorrow because how often have we seen other people have things and then a moment it's gone God tells us not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. And the reason we don't have to worry is because we have a God who has given us security in himself in the here and now. And we can sing praises in the presence of our enemies. The praises in the middle of chaos because God is with us. And if he is with us, who can be against us? Third, last, I think this. When we praise God for yesterday's restoration, yesterday's healing, we can look forward to the future and go, he's got me. He's got me. How often do you and I We go, God, I'm in the middle of crazy right now. Can you help me? Can you help me? We cry out to God. We cry out to God. We cry out to God. And then when that problem has resolved itself, we move on to the next thing and say, God, can you help me with this? God, can you help me with this? I need help with this. Help me with this. Come on. Where are you? Right? And we forgot to consider that there were all of these things along the way. When we look at, the, at 2019, we look back at this last year, how many times has God delivered you? We look back at the entire decade, how many times has God answered your prayer? And yet it is so easy to kind of move on to the next thing that we're challenged with without looking back and saying, God, thank you for restoring me. When we look back with thankfulness, the right transforming work will be that we will look forward to the future knowing that there's a God who's going to take care of us in the future. The only right response to God's restoring work is that we would adore him. And I want to ask you this. If you're not a Christian, like all these blessings are said about Christians, like don't you want these? Don't you want these things that, that we get to sing praises about? Don't you want this? I would just encourage you, if you're a seeker in here this morning, God loves you. You're here for a purpose. And like this whole thing is set up so that you would, you would come to know God who loves you. That's what we're here for. We're here to make disciples of all nations. We're here for you this morning. The main takeaway is this, that we would walk away knowing that if God has done these things for us, we're going to be okay. He is faithful now. He was faithful then. And he's going to give us faith to have a hope for the future. This is who our God is. And he is worthy to be praised. Let's pray.